What is going on, folks? My name is Alex. Welcome to For the Record, a sports podcast. We have so many crazy things to talk about today. Everything from Antonio the Clown to the first week of NFL football, NFL action. Finally, we got some real football. Uh, the NBA's whole war on the ninja headband, and also, of course, the Fantasy Minute where I give you fantasy advice in two minutes or less, something that I actually am going to be needing a lot of seeing as Tyreek Hill was injured. So if you're in the same boat as me, that Fantasy Minute's going to come very much in handy. But as always, let's make sure that you follow for the record on social media so that way you can stay up to date with everything for the show on Instagram and Twitter at for the record SP. That's simple, folks. Links will be in the description. Let's not waste any more time. No more. You know what's coming up next. Cue the music. Let's start the show. You know, I really, really used to like Antonio Brown. I used to think he was one of the best receivers in the NFL. I mean, he is, statistically speaking. I thought he was a high-character guy. I thought he was entertaining. I mean, remember that twerking celebration he did that one time? That was very, very funny. The guy was a character. I get it. But he was fun-loving. His teammates, apparently, on the outside, liked him. But in reality, all Antonio Brown is, is a selfish diva who can rival Mariah Carey in the 90s as to how big a diva he is. Antonio Brown is somebody to me that I thought in Oakland could get that fresh start, even with the issues he had in Pittsburgh. This could be that opening for him to go and actually achieve something greater in his career to help a team that should be nowhere become something. If you remember in my first episode, I said that the Oakland Raiders are a possible team to surprise everybody because of Antonio Brown. Well, Antonio Brown's gone now, so I don't see the Raiders doing much. But the thing with Antonio Brown is that he was that team. And he took that team for such a ride, it's not even funny. The Oakland Raiders spent so much money, well, they thought they spent so much money on bringing Antonio Brown to the Bay Area, and it was for literally nothing. Nothing. All Antonio Brown was for the Oakland Raiders this offseason was a headache, a headache and a half, if anything. Antonio Brown, pretty much every single day, was up to something new. If it wasn't the helmet situation, it was getting into an argument with his teammates, then calling his general manager racist slurs, then calling out his coach, then recording his coach, but it turns out that the recording was okay, then asking to be released the day after he apologizes, then getting released. This whole Antonio Brown saga has been exactly that. It's been a saga. It's been a saga of crap. It's been a saga of just stupidity that never ends. That's why I think the name Antonio the Clown is so fitting, because he literally is a walking carnival. Everything that goes on with Antonio Brown is just absurd, it's wacky, nothing makes sense. Nobody understands, nobody knows what's going on with him. 
If you turn on daytime television, well, sports daytime television, you'll listen to any person in the media and they will all say the same thing. Nobody knows what's going on with Antonio Brown. It's like, it, it's true in the sense that it feels as though Antonio Brown has lost a screw in his head and he's just, first thing that comes to his mind, he just does it. Just straight off impulse. Max Kellerman from First Take has a very good way of describing this when he says that Antonio Brown is just not making sense. Nothing he's doing is making sense, right? Colin Cowherd from Fox Sports, he has a very good quote about this as well because Colin Cowherd says that money does not change you. Money just makes you more of who you are. I've never heard a truer statement in regards to a situation like this because Antonio Brown apparently, allegedly, now with all these Steelers coming out and talking about how dysfunctional that locker room was, Antonio Brown has always been this way. This has been Antonio Brown his whole career, just nobody knew this was it. Nobody knew Antonio Brown was actually this much of a nuisance for people. It's unfortunate. It's really, really unfortunate. I... You know, looking back at Antonio Brown's career, right? He went to Central Michigan. He was a Chippewa. <laughs> I always think that's a very interesting name for a football team. But, you know, he had 31, 30, about 3,200 yards receiving, 26 touchdowns over his three seasons there in Central Michigan. And he was drafted, you know, mid-round receiver guy. He was fast, but he was tiny. No one really expected him to be that great, maybe a slot guy. But then he went to the Pittsburgh Steelers and over his nine years in Pittsburgh put up 11,000 yards and 74 touchdowns. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers of this generation and he is taking his Hall of Fame ballot and just throwing it in the garbage thanks to this offseason. Thanks specifically and literally only to this offseason. If Antonio Brown was somebody else, if Antonio Brown was Odell, for example, people would just expect this, right? Antonio Brown didn't start acting up until the end of last season. Well, to the outside, didn't start acting up until the end of last season. Antonio Brown has always been outspoken. He's always been a little weird. His haircuts, he always does these weird things with his hair. But aside from that, Antonio Brown, relatively under the radar, Maybe some preseason things, some training camp things with his teammates. Okay, whatever, no big deal. He likes weird celebrations. But then everything just started with him not showing up to that game, that big, big, important game, right? And then just going completely rogue on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just completely rogue. So then they trade him for, what, third and fifth round pick to the Raiders? And everything seems like it's going to be better. you got a guy who's going to a team that thrives on Rebels, that thrives on guys who are, what's what's the best way to describe it? Just thrive on guys who are a little rougher around the edges and who have that chip on their shoulder. They like guys like that. I mean, look at the guys who have thrived there. You know, you have all those legendary teams in the 70s and 80s. But more, more recently, you have guys like Marshawn Lynch, right? Now you've got Vontez Burfitt. As much as I don't like him, you have Richie Incognito. You have these guys who are a little, they don't really fit in the box of an NFL player, but they are Raiders. And the Raiders open their arms and welcome these guys in. 
And Antonio Brown, it was seeming, was, okay, yay. You know what? Maybe he might be a little rough around the edges, so whatever. We embrace him with open arms. And then Antonio decides to do the unthinkable and attack Juju Smith-Schuster for literally no reason. Literally no reason, because Juju got that uh, distinction of team MVP, and Antonio thought it was his. So he puts him on blast completely for sliding into his DMs when he was in college. Dude, how old are you? You're 31 years old. And you're putting a guy on blast when he was, what, 19 years old, asking you for advice? Are you kidding me? Really? You're, you're going to do that? You of all people are going to do that to that guy, Juju? Nobody hates Juju Smith-Schuster. Everybody loves Juju. Except Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown, right there, right there, should have been the major red flag. That kind of, you know, that story ran for probably a week, if that, from the mainstream sports media. But that was the big red flag looking back at it. Looking back, that should have been the catalyst for the Raiders to be like, uh-oh, here we go. This is going to be a problem. But then, but then, it gets worse because then Antonio Brown just says, you know what, I don't want to go anywhere because I don't like these new helmets. I want my 10-year-old helmet. I've had this helmet my entire career. It's this or nothing. Antonio, over a helmet, really? A helmet? Every other player in the NFL, if their helmet was old, they had to get rid of it. Tom Brady, who's done significantly more in his career than you, got rid of his helmet. He said he didn't like it that much, but he did it because that's the rule. Those are the rules. If you want to play, you got to play by the rules. That simple. It's that simple. Turns out, that whole helmet grievance, in my personal opinion, was just total, total acting job to try and get a sponsorship from a helmet company. And he did. He did. At the end of the day, he got a nice seven-figure uh, sponsorship from a helmet company for him to choose them. You know, congratulations. Congratulations. You got all the money in the world now. You got the money that you wanted. You got it. Why is it that you are still acting weird? Why is it that you're still doing all this stuff? Then he gets into it with his general manager. Then they start having issues. He doesn't want to play in the preseason. And then more recently, this literally in one week, this whole past week, just one week, seven days, everything imploded. From Antonio Brown calling his general manager a racist slur to them firing back at him and saying that, you know, there's nothing else at this time about Antonio Brown during press conferences. To him then coming back at them and going on Twitter and posting the fine on Twitter. To then them, you know, asking for an apology. He apologizes. Then they cut his guaranteed money. Then he posts that random video at, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night when that thing went up on Friday night. And then the next morning, you think everything's good? You know, you think that that video was just like him being like, I want to be a Raider. I want to be part of Gruden's team. This is what I wanted to always be as a kid. And then it turns into the next day tweeting, release me. Him finally getting released. Posting a video of how excited he is that he got released. And then joining the evil empire, the New England Patriots. To yet again continue Tom Brady and that offense's dominance because they have the best defense they've had in the last decade. So Antonio Brown is now at a point in his career where everybody hates him. Everybody hates him, except for maybe his teammates. And that's a very strong maybe because if he starts up, they're not going to tolerate that. 
But he got his $9 million guaranteed from the Patriots. That's all he wanted was guaranteed money. And he got it. He got a good chunk of change from the Patriots. It's not the $30 million that the Raiders were giving him, but it's a good chunk of change. And now, now he's in New England. He's going to be competing for a Super Bowl. And it's going to go one of two ways. Antonio Brown is going to conform or he's going to get cut. And that's it. Bill Belichick is no nonsense. He doesn't care about who you are, what you've done, what you did, what you could do. He cares about what you're doing, and that's it. You saw how quick he got rid of Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins is one of the best linebackers that season they got rid of him. Kind of underperforming, kind of annoying him because he wanted a new contract. So what does Bill Belichick do? He sends him to the Cleveland Browns. And now Jamie Collins is back in New England. And Jamie Collins is proving again that he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. How? How does this, how does this happen for New England every single year? I'm not going to get into it with New England right now. I'm, not, I'm really not. I'm really not. I don't want to talk about them. Everybody talks about them. I don't want to talk about New England. But Antonio Brown is at this point where if he can't make it in New England, I don't think he's, anybody's going to take a chance on him again. Because if Bill Belichick can't fix whatever the hell is going on with Antonio Brown, literally nobody can. But if if I was to talk to Antonio Brown, if I was somebody who he considered a close acquaintance, close friend, and I had to give him advice, I would say, you know what, Antonio? You got a lot of heat this offseason from teammates, the media, all these people, all these voices, all this noise on the outside. But if there's one piece of advice that you should take, if there's one piece of advice that Antonio Brown, the human being, the football player, should take, it's what John Gruden said to you when he said, please stop this shit and just play football. That's all you have to do. That is all you have to do. But enough, enough about Antonio Brown. I'm sick of hearing of Antonio Brown. Hopefully now that he's in New England, there's so many good receivers. There's Tom Brady. There's that defense. There's Bill Belichick that we won't hear Antonio Brown's name until they say the 2020 NFL champions are the New England Patriots. Here's Antonio Brown holding the trophy and dancing with it. I don't want to hear it from Antonio Brown again. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to talk about him again unless he gets cut. So let's not worry about that. Moving on to the NFL Week 1, we had a wild, wild week. I think the most intriguing part of this week, and I think, to me, the most shocking, was that the number one quarterback in passing yards during Week 1 was Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. 418 yards. He put up 418 yards against Pete Carroll's Seahawks defense. The sad part is that the Bengals still lost. But the good part is that Andy Dalton proved, hey, you know what? Maybe he can actually do something. The Bengals have one of the worst offensive lines in football this year. And he still put up 418 yards. The Seahawks have a great defense like they do every year. He still put up 20 points. There's something to be said about Andy Dalton right here. Do I think he's going to continue this? Absolutely not. It's Andy Dalton. He always does this. He'll like put up a really good game, and then he just flops for the next eight weeks. But I think there's something to be said in the fact that Andy Dalton may be able to 
get the passing game going. And he didn't even have A.J. Green. So he may be able to do something enough for Joe Mixon and the rest of the running backs to be able to run. And maybe, you never know, the Bengals might be a sleeper team in the AFC North. You don't know. I mean, there's a very strong possibility. There's a very strong possibility that they could do that. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. Do I think that it's probable? Eh, we'll see about that. But I'm I'm going to keep an eye on Andy Dalton because I think Andy Dalton maybe is at that point in his career. He you know it's his first year without Marvin Lewis. He's realizing that if this year doesn't go his way, if this year doesn't go as Andy Dalton wants it to go successfully, that's going to be the end of Andy Dalton. Not for the Bengals, but in the NFL, he's going to become a backup. I think honestly. The Tony Romo treatment seems a little more viable. You know, he might spend a year as the backup and coach the young guy and then disappear. That's it. No more Andy Dalton. Then we have Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I What, what I think is so incredible about this is that he had five touchdowns in the air. Lamar Jackson threw five touchdowns last year this guy was bottom five in accuracy and he threw five touchdowns he had the shortest amount or the lowest amount of passing yards for uh starting quarterbacks he threw five touchdowns well over 300 yards lamar jackson last year was the most slept on rookie quarterback everyone was like yeah he can run but what else can he do this game begun the process of him proving that he is very good, that he is viable, that he is somebody that a team can trust and build around. And not only that, but Lamar Jackson's teammate, his new number one target, his new favorite receiver, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown. This guy put up almost 200 receiving yards and two touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he had both those touchdowns before even the halftime. He had an 86-yard touchdown. He is a damn good receiver. And between him and Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's running ability, Mark Ingram, that Ravens offense is scary. And I think that they have a definitely more serious chance than the Bengals. And after watching the Steelers get destroyed on Sunday night and watching the Browns completely melt down, I think the Ravens have the shot of winning the AFC North better than anybody else, and actually doing some damage in the playoffs. Maybe actually making it to the divisional round. I see them coming in as a wild card. You know, I see Pat's Chiefs 1-2, and but I really, really, really like the Ravens this year. I really, really think that they've got it. But staying with that game, I'm going to be calling the Dolphins from now on the Division II football program because they suck. After the game, there were reports that players were asking their agents to get them off of that team. You know, it says a lot because in football, it's very hard to tank. You can't tank like in the NBA where, okay, you're bad for a year or two. You get a guy like Zion and boom, instantly you're fine. No, no, no. The NFL, there's two sides of the ball. So yeah, you'll get your franchise quarterback or yeah, you'll get your middle linebacker who is going to lead your defense and blah, blah, blah. You get your edge rusher, you get your corners, your your leader safety who's going to take the secondary to the next level. Star wide receiver who makes the an average quarterback better. Star running back like Saquon Barkley. Doesn't matter. Because it's ne- you're never going to get both sides of the ball done fast enough if you tank like that. 
That doesn't work in the NFL. The Dolphins are so destroyed. This Division II college program is so destroyed that I can see them being bad for the next 10 years. And I hate to say that, but I can see the Dolphins not making the playoffs for the next 10 years. There's no direction in Miami. None. None whatsoever. I hope Brian Flores figures something out, but I don't see any direction whatsoever there. Then in Tennessee, we had, well, with Tennessee, we had Marcus Mariota and Derrick Henry showing exactly just how valuable they are in that 43-13 to 13 thumping of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Browns. Definitely the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Cavaliers are a basketball team. Marcus Mariota was being written off this year. Like another quarterback who I really like, who didn't have that great of a game, and I'm not going to talk about that because I was certainly wrong last week when I said he was going to be good. Marcus Mariota had a great game. Marcus Mariota had the game that that other quarterback I thought would have. Derrick Henry is another guy who people continue to write off. Last year, he had a great year, and everybody this season was like, eh, it was a fluke. Eh, that late season surge from Derrick Henry, eh, not real. Not going to happen again. Derrick Henry is here to stay. Derrick Henry is here to prove that he is more. He was more than just a Heisman Trophy winner in college who flames out in the NFL. He is a serious NFL talent. But sticking with that game, Baker and company show that they are completely not ready for the spotlight. The Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns until the Cleveland Browns prove otherwise. Baker Mayfield may feel dangerous, but he didn't prove that he's feeling dangerous. Baker Mayfield proved that he's a second-year quarterback. Odell Beckham proved that he still only cares about the flash, wearing that $350,000 watch during the game. Odell Beckham proved that he still hasn't grown up from his New York Giants days. Do I feel bad for them? Hardly. Hardly. With all the crap they talked in the offseason, with all the things they did, with all the comments they made... The things Baker Mayfield said about Daniel Jones. Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions on Sunday. Baker Mayfield played terribly on Sunday. The one touchdown he had was David Njoku. Baker Mayfield looked, dare I say it, pedestrian. He looked like he was not ready for the NFL spotlight, for everybody to be watching him. It really showed. It really, really showed. Then moving on to Carson Wentz and the Eagles. You know what? Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia is necessary. It's needed. Not having him there was just so different for that team. Having him back, that is his home. That is where he needs to be. Not Tampa Bay, not Washington, Philadelphia. And what he did against the Washington Redskins was beautiful. Beautiful. He would not be denied for that touchdown. I think it was a 50-yarder. Would not be denied for that touchdown. And the best part, too, is that there were all these reports coming out that the teammates didn't believe in Carson Wentz, yada, yada. They didn't think he was a real leader. They liked Nick Foles better. Guess what? Carson Wentz led a 17-point comeback, and you guys won the game. So Eagles fans who didn't like Carson Wentz, Eagles players who didn't like Carson Wentz, he's there to stay. And I could see him being that MVP candidate again this year if he stays healthy. I like Carson Wentz. I just don't think he can ever stay healthy. Hopefully this is the year. Hopefully this is the year that he actually can play a full season. And maybe he'll even be up there for 
uh, MVP consideration. And the Eagles will be right back in that Super Bowl spot against the Patriots because that, that's seeable. I could see that. But another team that I could see facing the Patriots in the Super Bowl or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl would be the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott put on a show. If you know me, you know how much I love Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. I get roasted by my friends for this all the time. All the time. But I love Dak Prescott. He embodies what a good quarterback should be. He's poised, he's calm, and he's a good person. Dak Prescott showed yesterday that he is worth whatever money he, the Cowboys, give him. They're going to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. There's no doubt in my mind. Jerry Jones is not going to let Dak Prescott walk away. Jerry Jones, for what Jerry Jones is, for as much of a ruthless guy as Jerry Jones is, for as much as he doesn't like other people taking the spotlight from him, Jerry Jones takes care of his players. If there's a player that he likes, if there's a player that does their job and that he can work well with, they're family to Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones will take care of them. That was an amazing game by Dak Prescott. I get that they were facing the Giants, but that was an amazing game by Dak Prescott. And I see them doing it again next week, this week. Then... Probably the most depressing part of my day was watching the Jets squander a 16-point lead to the Buffalo Bills. I watched that entire game, and let me tell you, I've never been more disappointed in the Jets playing. I, I just, I didn't even know what to do with myself. It was, first of all, the most excruciating game to watch because the offense couldn't do anything. Literally nothing. Literally, the Sam Darnold looked like he was lost out there. Everyone was saying, oh, the Jets blew it, the Jets blew it. Sam Darnold blew it. I like Sam Darnold, but my leash is very short with Sam Darnold. Adam Gase needs to test Sam Darnold in the same way that Josh Allen was just kind of like, screw it, I'm going to whip this ball down the field to John Brown, and he's going to run in for a touchdown. Go for it. Go for it. Let Sam Darnold rip. Let's see if Sam Darnold can actually win big games or if Sam Darnold's just a game manager who we can get rid of in three, four years and try again with another top five quarterback. I really, really, really hope that Sam Darnold is the real deal because I'm so sick of all these different quarterbacks going in and out and in and out and in and out of the New York Jets locker room. It's such a nuisance. Next week against the Browns is what may be a touch, tough matchup because you have Darnold versus Baker. And Baker's going to be angry. He's going to be feeling dangerous, quote-unquote. So I really hope that Sam Darnold pulls it off. I really hope that he gets back out there. I just have my lingering suspicions about Sam Darnold. And then finally, probably one of my favorite things from football this week was that the Colts, they proved that they're they're, they're not done yet. They're still treading water. They lost... They lost in overtime, but they forced overtime. And the only reason I know that is because the Chargers defense is my fantasy team defense. And I just kept watching my points dwindle away and dwindle away and dwindle away. And I was like, what is going on? Jacoby Brissett was great. 190 yards, two touchdowns. Marlon Mack is the leading rusher in the NFL after week one. Barring uh, the Broncos-Raiders game, I record this show before that game starts live on the East Coast. I'm not going to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning. i got a full-time job. But but then you also have T.Y. Hilton with 87 yards and two touchdowns. This team 
looks still pretty complete. If they had Andrew Luck, they probably would have beaten the Chargers by 20. But with Jacoby Brissett, they did a pretty good job. And I think as Jacoby continues to get that uh, wind under his sails, I think that the Colts are going to be a team that not only is going to be vying for that AFC South crown, but is also going to be vying for, I'd say, a, a piece of the AFC. I could see them giving the Patriots a run for their money. Honestly, I, I say that, and it sounds bold. It sounds a little weird to say without Andrew Luck on that team. But if Jacoby Brissett can be two-thirds of what Andrew Luck was, I could really see them making some noise. I could really, really see them. But then there's, of course, the opposite, where Jacoby Brissett flames out, and he just proves that he's nothing more than a game manager, and that's it, and that's it. And the team can't bail him out. It is what it is, you know? But I can totally see the Colts making some noise and doing basically... Shocking the world. Completely. Completely shocking the world. And, as always, you know what time it is. That's right. This is the segment where I would be shouting out our sponsor. But guess what? Week four, we still don't have a sponsor. If you're bored, if you want to sponsor it, if you want to give out a 10% off coupon to whatever business you own, feel free. Because guess what? Here's my email, admin at buspotential.com. You could be the sponsor of the Fantasy Minute next week. Let's chat. So this week, the Fantasy Minute is going to be top streamers going into week two. As I said, I'm going to need a streamer because I lost my number one wide receiver. So we'll see how this season goes. Tiger Kill is probably going to be out to five to six weeks. So here comes the list. Number one, the entire Lions offense. Matt Stafford had a great game, 27 points. Danny Amendola. 23 points. TJ Hawkerson, 25. Pick up any of those guys. They're playing the Chargers next week. Pick one of them up. I guarantee you, you will have a very solid player. I'm liking Danny Amendola. That's who I'm looking at for next week. But tell me who you picked up, because the Lions offense is sneakily good. Number two, we've got Randall Cobb. If you watch the Cowboys-Giants game like I did, I understand they were playing the New York Giants, and the Giants' defense is horrendous, basically Swiss cheese. But Randall Cobb is showing that he is still very damn good and deserves a spot on your fantasy team, because he could be a great flex option, or even a wide receiver three if you play in the same format that I do. Finally, we are looking at John Ross the third. Not only was Andy Dalton incredible, but Andy Dalton was incredible without A.J. Green. A.J. Green's going to be gone for a couple more weeks. Why not pick up John Ross the third, who seems to be Andy Dalton's favorite target coming out of the slot right now and also lining up on the outside. So John Ross the third put up 34 points this week. If you don't have him, he's not rostered in many leagues. Pick him up. And finally, on today's episode of For the Record, a sports podcast. We're going to be talking about the NBA and their war on the ninja headbands. Where is this coming from? Where I don't understand why the NBA does some of the things that they do. I don't understand why the NFL does some of the things they do. MLB, FIFA even sometimes. The ninja headbands were one of the coolest additions of last year. Jimmy Butler was rocking it. Drew Holiday was rocking it. I think LeBron was planning on it this season. Those headbands were so cool, 
so cool. How many fans were wearing them to the games and then asking, you know, like cheering their favorite players? How many players were pl wearing them now going to the gym and stuff? All because, you know, you got guys like Jimmy Butler wearing those headbands. They look so cool. They look, they literally look like ninjas. Literally look like, would it not make smart business sense to continue doing things that the fans like, right? So why would you take away these new headbands that fans do like for the three dumbest reasons you could think of? Reason number one that the NBA gave. There's a process to approving new gear. I'm sorry, but aren't headbands already a thing in the NBA? Isn't a different style headband still just a headband? What makes it so detrimental to wear a headband that you tie onto your head as opposed to slip onto your head? Is it that big a deal? Is it, you know, is it going to hurt the player in any way? Is it going to hurt the league in any way? It's not like he's putting both his middle fingers up and saying F you to the crowd. He's wearing a headband that he ties onto his head. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping Jimmy Butler in his first game literally just says screw you to the camera and puts that headband on. He's in Miami now. He's a badass. He's Jimmy Butler. He can do what the hell he wants. He's Jimmy Butler. And I really, really hope that I get to see him wearing that thing because that would be such a slap in the face of the NBA. Now, I don't think the NBA is as testy as NFL players, where NFL players kind of can be defiant in the sense that they hold their own beliefs and they are more than willing to talk about them and more than willing to do them, even if they get fined. You know, you have players that are getting that were getting fined a couple years ago for wearing custom cleats during games, situations like that. So NFL players do that pretty often, but NBA players, not as often. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping that since this is literally just a headband, that a couple players, a Jimmy Butler, a Drew Holiday, maybe LeBron, that would be, I mean, if LeBron did it, then the NBA would change their mind immediately, especially because Nike makes these headbands. So I'm just excited to see if one or two, three of them stand in defiance and actually still wear the headband and see what the league does. Because it's like, you're going to find a player, say $30,000 for wearing a headband. That's ridiculous. That's how you get fans to not like you. That's how you get fans to turn on you. Because that's just that's just a dumb rule. Then the second reason the NBA gave was they didn't want to notify teams mid-season last year, so they're notifying them this year that it's an illegal piece of gear. I don't know about you, but where does that make any sense? If you had the idea that this was something you didn't want in your league, wouldn't you tell the teams right away? Instead of going a full season, wearing, allowing these, wearing them, players to start picking them up, them to become trendy, whatever, you just tell the players. Don't wear them. Is it really that big a deal that it's a headband? That you couldn't tell them mid-season, hey, guys, guys, stop wearing these headbands, you know, they're not dress violation, blah, 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 blah. Let's put these through a full process. Players would have been like, this is dumb. Fans would have been like, this is dumb. They just, the, I think the NBA just didn't want the slack last year. And now, because they have Nike's backing, they're like, oh, well, guess what? These headbands are no longer allowed in the NBA. For now. What I'm curious about is, will these headbands be allowed back into the NBA at some point? Because I think that there's no problem with that. In the same way that, People wear normal headbands, 
This is no different. This is no different at all. The third reason the NBA gave, which I thought was the funniest thing they gave, they said that these ninja headbands are unprofessional. Now, this is a sport where players are wearing sleeveless jerseys, have tattoos from head to toe, wear, you know, some of them have earrings, some of them wear multiple different accessories on their body, chains, whatever. And you're telling me a ninja headband is unprofessional? Some guys have some really wacky haircuts, different colored hair, and it's the headband that's unprofessional? Since when has the NBA been about professionalism like a corporation, like a business? The whole point about being a basketball player is you can express yourself however the hell you want. You want to tattoo your eyelids? Go ahead. You want to put a pink stripe in your hair? Go ahead. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. When has that ever been a problem? When has professionalism and looking professional been a thing in the NBA? I mean, it, maybe in the 1950s? But today, really? Really, you're going to throw the professionalism thing out there? Seriously? Just because they want to wear a headband that's a different style than all the other headbands? Come on, guys. Come on. The NBA, you guys got to not turn into what the NFL is. The NFL is known as the no fun league, right? Everybody thinks that the NFL is just out to get the players, out to get the, you know, they can't celebrate the way they want to. They can't wear what they want. They can't do what they want. Yada, 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 yada. Do not allow the NBA to become this. The NFL is not the no fun league. The NFL just has stricter rules. The NBA is a little more free flowing, a little more exciting, dynamic. They change with the times. Football is a little more traditional. But in football, they at least make moves to allow these players to express themselves. Why is it that a headband is not allowed? But yet, things like arm sleeves, other style headbands, glasses, mouth guard, all these things are allowed. You don't need a headband if you don't want to wear one. So why is it a problem if some guys want to wear one? There's not, there's literally no problem. This segment is going to be so short because there's literally not a problem. That's what I'm trying to get across in this message is that the NBA is making a huge mistake. They're making themselves look like they're this tyrant corporate thing, entity. When they, they're, they're literally shooting themselves in the foot. There's no reason. There's no reason whatsoever for them to be doing this. No reason whatsoever. Not one. Not one. So for the NBA to continue moving on, to continue moving forward, they need to take a step back, look at themselves, and say, why are we doing this? Is this seriously that big a deal? Is Are headbands, ninja headbands, that big a deal? Newsflash, here's the answer. They're not. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode this week. I'm so sorry that it got cut short. I got out of work a little late. Had to cut a couple things out of my script. But nonetheless, I appreciate every single one of you for listening to this this week and every single week. Promise you that next week we'll have a little bit longer of an episode to get right back up to that 58, 60-minute mark. But as always, please do make sure to follow for the record on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at For the Record SP. Links will be in the description. Also, 
like always, do not forget to be a good person. Hold the door open for somebody. Buy somebody coffee. Tell somebody they look nice. Smile at somebody. Smile. I mean, people don't smile. Just smile. Smile at somebody. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great week. I will see you next Tuesday right here, wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Pocket Cast, whatever it may be, wherever you may be. See you on the next one. Peace.